podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, including next year's record-breaking calendar, Silverstone in the spotlight, it's looking like Herta out, De Vries in, Alpine's Junior Academy on a downhill slope, and F3 goes testing with some surprise inclusions. Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Ron and you're listening to the Formula Words podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Dawn King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. This show is brought to you by the news team at Formula Nerds. Keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. So, sounds off swanning around Europe again. Okay, no, working very hard at the aforementioned testing in Barcelona. But we do have Abby. How is it going? It's going well, thank you. England has gotten a bit cooler, which means that I can wear all my Formula One hoodies and that, so I'm glad. How are you, James? I can see the bright orange, yeah. Uh, I'm good. It's also a lot cooler in Paris. Yeah, like suddenly was too cold the other night for the first time in like five months. Uh, How about the South Coast, James? How is it down there? It's very, very nice. It was about 19, 20 degrees today on the coast, so uh, very pleasant and a bit warm, but uh, yeah, all good still. All good to hear. And Catherine, how are you? How is it your end? So London is, right now it's like pretty lively for us university students. We started freshers, so we're doing very good. (laughs) <laughs> nice. Well, no time for freshers when you've got news to read out, so we'll crack on. And where else to start than next year's record-breaking schedule? So F1 has just released their planned race calendar for the 2023 season, which will feature not the current 22, not this year's planned 23, but 24 Grand Prix. The headline changes are the inclusion of the inaugural Las Vegas Grand Prix. That will be the penultimate race and take place on a Saturday night. The return of the Chinese Grand Prix after a three-year absence and the return of Qatar after its unplanned debut in 2021. Also, the Dutch Grand Prix will now mark the return from the summer break with Spa now preceding it instead. So, what do you guys make of it? 24 races is a lot. And it's not often I agree with Christian Horner. I could do that back a few podcasts ago, but I do think that he does have a point where we're starting we're starting to really get a bit dangerous now when we're talking about net zero for 2030 and we're doing all this flying around, particularly with the Las Vegas to Abu Dhabi. It does seem a little bit mad, to be honest. Yeah, that is that is a pretty brutal change. Uh, as the, Yeah, they are back-to-back, just to clarify that, because I didn't say it. So, I mean, yeah, okay, it's Saturday night, but it's still basically seven days from Las Vegas to Abu Dhabi. And I think, I don't think there's too many triple headers. I think there's only two, but still, the the amount of pressure and stress that that will put on not only the drivers but everyone involved trying to get things from places and just having some downtime as well i remember perez saying earlier this year that if the calendar exceeded 23 races he was going to leave f1 because he has a family and he wants to spend time with his family and traveling around the world going all over the place for 24 weekends it, it is a lot of work 
I think from a, from like a viewer point of view, it's good because we get to have more races. But if you really think about it, I feel that it is going to take away the exclusivity of the event. Because before you would always have, you know, for example, the Monaco Grand Prix, what happened in it. And for a whole week, everyone talks about it. Whereas now it is going to be so frequent. It's going to be like a football match. One happens, we move on to the other and that's it. Yeah, it's a good point. And Abby, I'd be interested to see if... Checo actually, yeah, follows through on his threat. That I mean, you'd assume it's not going to be a deal breaker. It was probably, a, you know, a bit of a, an empty threat, but you never know. It's, it's obviously a, a valid point. And like James says, it is it's reaching breaking point. Uh, but yeah, FIA President Mohammed Ben Salem said the presence of 24 races is further evidence of the growth and appeal of the sport on a global scale. The addition of new venues and the retention of traditional events underlines the FIA's sound stewardship of the sport. Now, we won't get into the FIA's stewardship of the sport and how sound it may or may not be on this occasion. But I will say, I don't think this is evidence of the growth of F1. Maybe Vegas, yeah, that shows growth in America. But worldwide, I mean, it's just China coming back and a new-ish race in another Gulf state. Yeah, you can't really beat a bit of um, self-PR, can you? When you're wanting to try and justify something that you've done. I think Formula One's done that very well over the years, to be honest. Doesn't really surprise me that's what the media team will come out with at all. Yeah. Uh, and another bit of news along with the calendar is the confirmation of a race in Monaco, at least through to 2025. Uh, happy with that, Abby? Yeah, I am. I like Monaco. It's part of F1's history. Yes, the race can sometimes be very boring because it is a very tight circuit, so you can't overtake. But it's part of F1. I don't think it should be removed, so I am glad that it is kept on the calendar. I think I think me too overall. I, this year's Monaco kind of tested my patience for it as a Grand Prix in general. You know, I hope that this new deal, whatever they've cut, has something about the broadcasting being done actually by F1 rather than their special deal where they had a, a local director, which has brought us some shocking moments and some memes like Stroll going over a chicane. But yeah, another race on next year's calendar is, of course, the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. The weekend's heading for a sellout, but it's been hit by controversy as the tickets went on sale last week. Now, dynamic pricing seems to have been the biggest cause of frustration, causing bottlenecks of people trying to book tickets at the earliest opportunity to get the lowest price. That caused the system to fail and ticket sales to be stopped on Thursday and restart Friday morning, only for the same issue to happen again initially, but with the prices at an increased level. So I believe we should prepare for a trademark James Phillips rant, yes? Uh, I don't like having to have the reputation of someone who rants all the time, but this one really does take the cake, doesn't it, to be quite honest? Uh, dynamic pricing. It's, it's just greed, to be honest. Uh, it is mad. And unfortunately for Silverstone, I've actually done some research, which they're not going to like. Um, so based on what we've what we've found out so far, we've been sent a few um, tweets that people have been sending into the Formula Nerds Twitter page, so please keep them coming in, where tickets have gone up by an average of between 70 and and £100. So at the moment... Uh, the, G, the GA uh, Plus got Cops A Terrace is now £389 and is now sold out. But I now just want to sort of put everyone's attention towards the hospitality part of Silverstone. It's not something that people realistically will ever go near uh, if, you, if you're just wanting to attend a race. But actually, I kind of think you should. So if you go near the, if you go near the Trackside Club at the moment, so that's uh, where that ticket includes inner tracks access, a cop's corner with a terrace view, casual food service, beer, wine, soft drinks, and a track and a screen view. On Friday, that will cost you two hundred and sixty-eight pounds. 
on Saturday, it'll cost you £331, and on Sunday, it'll cost you £795. That, the, 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 four, the first two are now cheaper for you to do than a box standard grandstand ticket. That is lunacy. It's madness. Um, I, I just don't understand how Silverstone got themselves into this position in the first place, other than thinking they could get greedy and they could get all, get all the money. And then someone called uh, Elliot Hall, uh, Hallwood 44. Don't know if you're a listener, but it's a great, it's a great uh, diagram he sent us. I don't know who he got it from, but it shows you the new price plan for the current version, the current pricing for Silverstone tickets if they don't go up anymore. Stowe is now 329 quid. Club Silverstone is 629 pounds. Beckett's is 459 pounds. And I think the other one that was completely crazy was, was the Abbey South at. 459 and the Hamilton Strait North 539 and then the last thing just to end my rant is we're in a cost of living crisis at the moment here in the UK I'm sure a lot of people around the world are as well we we actually have our energy bill subsidized now over here we I think it's just been capped at 2500 pounds for the for the rest of the year uh we're looking at ways of reducing how much we spend not spending so much that we're going to break ourselves and Sky Sports owns Formula One rights in the UK as it does for a lot of other European countries if you have a bog standard Sky package with you know just high definition, no broadband, etc., yearly it's five hundred and seventy-two pounds. Now, in a cost of living crisis, are you realistically going to spend your money on one ticket that gets you uh, in the grandstand, but with no food, no extras, no nothing, or watching all twenty-four races live on your TV for five hundred seventy-two pounds? I know what I choose. That's my rant done. I'll hand over to you guys. What do you think? <laughs> I think, like, well, you couldn't have said it any better, but it just shows you, um, basically, Graham Rahal also said how it's like it became an elitist sport. And, like, it's already like that for the drivers. So we're even going to make it, make it like that for the supporters, too. Because it is honestly just silly, the prices of just one day. Like, do they act, with that amount, you can actually fly to another country and make a holiday weekend out of it. I'm not going to lie. So, and then actually watch the race somewhere else and enjoy it even more rather than there and only just seeing one piece of the track and trying to listen to the speaker to see what is going on and then having to watch the highlights later thanks to the Sky subscription that you have, that you also pay for. So it's just, I, I think they're getting a bit too carried away now. I was literally going to say the same thing, Catherine. You could go on holiday abroad somewhere for the same price or cheaper. It's mad how expensive they are and how they've gone up from the price that they were originally and how some of them have gone up i think like the national pitch rate went up by 180 pounds originally and it's probably still climbing it's f1 is an elitist sport the athletes are the best of the best however there are so many different fans globally and not everyone is like loaded with money and the fact that like, obviously, Formula One is growing and you want to bring in more people in that. But these prices are going to hinder that and actually stop the growth because you're not if you want to go to a race, not everyone's going to be able to afford it, which is a real shame because then they can never say, oh, like I've gone to Silverstone because they just can't afford a simple ticket for like one day. It is mad. I think money is a massive thing in F1, as we know, and it is sad to see. But in like James said, in a cost of living crisis, having those prices is just ridiculous 
So we have recently heard about Red Bull showing an interest in Colton Herta, but unfortunately he cannot get his super license because he only has 32 of 40 points. And because of this, Red Bull have withdrawn their interest. Now, some people are saying that it's really unfair on Herta because he is a, actually a good driver and he should join Formula One. That is the McLaren CEO, Zach Brown. So he came out to say that the licensing system needs reviewing because if a driver like Herta doesn't get licensed for F1, then there is surely something wrong with it. But on the other hand, as I have previously said during James's rant, that um. That Graham Rahal, he's an IndyCar driver, he said that F1 is an elitist sport that wants US companies money, but doesn't care about the rest. Now, I think this literally, it can, in my opinion, it can literally lead to what we were saying before. It's just how Formula One is supposed to be for all, but then it is going to like places in Asia, it has spread I like a lot and it's good and then it went to america too it has a few races but we still don't have a race in africa and it's just it just keeps showing how like they're not giving equal opportunities to drivers to countries to even participate in the grand prix and like for people to even watch the, um, the race life so i think it's adding it's, it has a pot and it keeps adding to it and i think that some um, things can really go downhill i don't know whether james want to add a little bit of a rant to that see this is where i'm actually going to defend formula one um the problem we have at the moment with this is that the fia and the indycar series are two very different uh not just formulas but very different organizations the way you progress within the fia motorsport versus the u.s motorsport is just on such a different scale different points are awarded you have different series so it's it, it's tricky because I can understand why Colton Herter would feel a bit miffed that he's not been able to get his super license. But at the same stage, he's not come through the FIA approved areas before. He's gone through he's gone through the US versions. But to get into the FIA to get into Formula One, you need to go through was it was it Formula Four, uh, maybe European Formula Four and a few other or maybe uh, the Asian Formula Four series. Um, I, I I personally think that. There could be a bit of a bit more co a bit more uh, cohesion between the two different series, but fundamentally they are completely different entities, and that's where the problem comes. If you've got someone like um, Callum Ilot who's gone over to the US series, he's already got his FIA approved, so that's fine. He can he can go straight in there and he can race. Other way around, that's where things need to improve. But fundamentally, I will defend the FIA on this because it's absolutely right. You can't have somebody who who's come over and has not gone through their their their, their very strict system to make sure you're ready for a single seater like F1. I agree with that because yes, Herter is an amazing driver, but in America, IndyCar is the equivalent of F1. You have Indy Lights, which is how they get into IndyCar. And then over here, we have F2 and F3 for the FIA, for the feeder series and that. And if you let, if Herta was allowed to be in F1 without having all the points, then that kind of takes away the point of the feeder series. And you have drivers like Felipe Dragovic, who has already won the F2 championship with a race weekend still to come. And he won't have a seat because other teams are trying to get other drivers outside of the FAA, outside of having super license points into the championship, which I don't agree with, but I do think 
that there should be some re-evaluation, shall we say, on how the IndyCar points tally up with the super license points because there is a massive difference and the drivers are very talented we've seen that so they should be able to race in formula one it just needs to happen in a better way there's a balance isn't there i mean the whole point of the super license points is to yes okay it's about nurturing young talent but it's also about proving that you're worthwhile in being there and that you're safe in being there and there's no doubt that someone who finishes eighth in indycar is a, a good enough driver to at least have a go in F1. We're not talking about the 90s here where people literally were pay drivers who had never raced anything before. There's the guy who makes the pasta Barilla got you know into a, a race seat just because he had enough money to do so. Nothing against him. He makes great pasta and he did okay. But it's it was brought in and the age limit was brought in because Max Verstappen turned up as a 17-year-old and it, it kind of gave the impression can anyone drive an F1 car? And it kind of belittled it. Obviously, we all know he's gone on to prove how good he was and that he was an exception in being able to come in that young. But there's, yeah, I think the points definitely need to be addressed with IndyCar. There's no doubting that they have the talent to be an F1. So if they choose to be, and if a team chooses one of their drivers, then I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. But in the world of F1, uh, with Colton Herter not getting into the AlphaTauri seat, who is it, James, that looks most likely to take that seat now? It's a good news story. It's Nick DeVries. Um, I've been a bit conflicted about this one because I can see why he would maybe want to go into AlphaTauri and maybe join the Red Bull program. Uh, but I was a bit conflicted thinking that he probably wouldn't get put up to Red Bull Racing because that must be his end goal. But realistically, Sergio Perez is not a main target. Uh, Red Helmut Marco has not been impressed with the Red Bull Juniors in F2 this year or F3. Uh, so they're not they're not really a, a plausible replacement for Perez at this stage. De Vries could well be in a year's time. So I'd, I'd, uh, if, it depends how long he signed up for. If he signed up for one year, going for, if, if we're to believe he is going to be signing up for them, if it is a year's deal he gets, that year deal is so he can be evaluated, so he's free to join Red Bull Racing in, 2020, in, in 2024. Um, I, it is a good news story. I did think he might go to Williams. Uh, he's also got an Alpine test, I believe, as part of this part of the Alpine test, which we'll come to. Who in hasn't? Indeed, who hasn't? I think anyone with a super license has got one. Um, but I I, 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 I do think it's probably the best place for him to go. This is obviously if Pierre Gasly leaves. All this has just been caused by Sebastian Vettel saying he's leaving the sport. Chaos, isn't it? One driver makes makes a choice to leave, and it's all this, this all happens. He made an Instagram account. And it's literally just went downhill from that. It definitely did. It definitely did. But what are your guys' thoughts on if perhaps it could be an Alpha? It could be Alpha Tower that the freeze ends up. In? Do we think it's a good thing? Bad decision? I think it could be both. I think they would push him to be the best driver that he is. We are, we've already seen that he's talented. Obviously, in Monza when he stepped in for Albon, I was sure that he would be going to Williams. I thought that weekend kind of cemented his place to replace Latifi in the Williams seat. Um, but it would be interesting to see him at AlphaTauri. Obviously, Gasly would then go to Alpine, which would also be interesting given his history with Ocon and the tensions that lie. But who knows? I think the Williams seat would then be up for debate. It would be intriguing to see who they choose. Obviously, we've got Logan Sargent, who Capito thinks is ready for F1, but he just he needs some more super license points, going back to that whole situation. Um, but he needs to finish 
fifth, I think, in Abu Dhabi or higher to get those points. And if he doesn't, then the floor is open for Williams to take their pick. And if Nick DeVries is going to Alpha Tauri, which reports are saying, who would fill the Williams seat? He should get in the top five, realistically, shouldn't he? He's, he's third. I know he's been on a an unlucky slash not quite so great run, but he probably should do it. Yeah, if, if not, I, I'm really not sure. It, it could go to a few places. Um, yeah, going back to Alpine, it's it's really hurt them. I mean, obviously this entire debacle has really hurt them, but it seems to have even undermined their their belief in an academy system. Isn't that right, James? They have, and to be honest, I'm sensing another mini rank coming on. Um, Alpine just really need to accept responsibility for what they thought happened. But, I mean, they didn't give the driver a full contract. They messed him around for six months by not giving him any paperwork. And then when they did, it it, it, it made clear that he wasn't going to be sitting in an Alpine seat for two years. Um, I think you know the the the, the CEO of uh, of Alpine recently said uh, in the in a, in, a, in a statement in the last couple of days. He said, now we're really wondering whether or not to continue beyond the current batch of drivers we have with whom we're going to honour until the end, of the, uh, the end of the year our obligations as we have multi-year plans with them. It doesn't really... I, I, I just don't see why Alpine have t- uh, are still refusing to take any form of responsibility for what happened. There's a huge test, as we know, going on to replace um, Fernando Alonso. Who's going to get it? We don't know. Anyone with a super licence? We're going to get that joke already. But we can't. You can't treat a driver as you did Oscar Piastri, and then expect the driver to stick around, and for also drivers not to potentially not want to come to your team. When I discovered that Nick DeFries was part of the Alpine uh, Alpine lineup for this test, I really hoped he was going to go to Williams because uh, he would he would at least get treated properly there. With Alpine, I I think a bit of trust has been lost from Alpine's side in terms of the grid and then the driver program. So I'm just curious to get your guys here. Am I just being a a ranty old man, or uh, what do we think? Well, it seems to all boil down to Lauren Rossi, doesn't it? I mean, Alan Prost was kind of kicked out, and Cyril, obviously, as well. It feels like he's alienating a lot of fairly crucial people within the team, and there have been some major operational issues uh, in the last 12 months at Alpine. So, uh, for the sake of the grid, I hope they, they sort it out. Uh, I hope... Rossi sorts it out, whether it's him or, I mean, there's no one really above him. So, you know, he's, his head's not going to roll from anyone else. But it would be nice if they could, you know, make it more of a... Because they, they are one of the teams with the potential to actually get towards the front of the grid. They have the ability. They're just really making it very difficult for themselves at the moment. You heard it here first. Flav will come back. Oh, don't. Well, starting today for the next three days is the F3 postseason testing in Jerez in Spain, where all the teams and drivers will be prepping for their 2023 season following Victor Martins being crowned champion. But it's quite interesting when you have a look at who some of the teams they're having do their tests. Earlier yesterday, we had MP Motorsport, Prima and Chevrous announced their lineup. For MP, we had Mary Boyer. Johnny Edgar, who currently raced for Trident, and Franco Colapinto, who raced for Van Amersfoort Racing. But for Prima, we had Paul Aron and Dino Bejanovic, I apologise for any mispronunciations of names, by the way, who are already part of Prima. They're part of the team in other championships. But then we had Zacco Sullivan, who is part of the Williams Driver Academy, and he didn't race for Prima 
this current season which i think is very interesting i feel like there may be a reason why he's racing for prima potentially but on the grid there'll be 16 new faces and 14 returnees 10 of which have done a full season in f3 so it'll be very interesting to see how they pan out this in the coming days but for formula 3 we also had the all-female test with abby pulling hamda alkabasi chloe chambers and Nuria marty who all said that they absolutely loved it they learned so much and it was an amazing experience to help them in their career which i think is very positive because i'm glad that they did a second all-female test because it, it shows that we're t- motorsports taking the right step towards diversity and inclusivity i really do hope that some of those uh, those women get on the grid in 2023 i really hope so um i don't know which teams but um i just want to see multiple women take to the f3 grid next year It'd be fantastic yeah yeah absolutely uh and may i just say abby your pronunciation of Hareth was exquisite it was like gracias a... <laughs> are you from spain i, I, I speak a little bit of spanish so. ah there you go it's all coming well, now you're gonna have to tell us what you can say now don't no, I'll, I'll tell you after i'll think about what i can say and then okay next week's show it. yeah you next week's yeah, show okay. thing. <laughs> we'll do a spanish version of the podcast uh, to send out to our many spanish listeners uh but yeah i think in english uh that's about all we've got time for today so thank you for joining us be sure to head over to formulanerds.com to check out the latest news and of course on all your usual socials and then go and check out the cut to race podcast where we've got some more exciting guests coming up for you all But that's you up to date with the world of F1 for now. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. And come back for more. (laughs) Thank you, all three. Yeah, we'll be back to catch you up again next week. Until then, over and out. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.